Israel has always been at the center of prophecy. As God's chosen nation, Israel will be the main emphasis in the events of the end times. God has revealed this to us in His Word, the Bible. Hold on tight as Pastor Brent Snook takes you deep into the Ezekiel prophecy of Israel. In the 1990s, the Soviet Union collapsed. Many thought Russia's days of prominence and Russia's days of power were over. But today, as we are here just a little over two decades later, there has been a resurgent Russia seeking to reclaim her ground that she lost. Someone has said, since the collapse of the Soviet Union, Russia, the great Russian bear, is like a mother bear robbed of her cubs. A journalist who covers Eastern Europe by the name of Edward Lucas, who writes for the periodical Economist, recently wrote a book called The New Cold War. He warns in that book that Russia is rising again as a very hostile power. Lucas wrote, and I quote, The West is asleep to the growing danger and is losing the new Cold War. If you are a student of Bible prophecy at all, this certainly is no surprise to you. For Ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39 speaks of a coming invasion upon the small country of Israel involving a coalition of nations led by none other than Russia. I want you to take your Bible and begin reading with me. And as you read, you may say, oh, this seems too deep for me. I'm going to make it as simple as I know how so that you will understand it when we get done. Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, Set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws and I will bring thee forth and all thine enemy, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togarma, of the north quarters, and all his bands and many people with thee. Be thou prepared, 
and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. I want to give to you several things that I think will make it a little easier for you to understand this passage. And we'll be looking at chapter 38, different verses, and chapter 39. But I want you to notice, first of all, the invasion of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 38 lays out for us a list of allies that will go against this nation, God's people, the Israelites. These nations which no longer have their original name, some of them here in this chapter, will ultimately form a coalition and they will come together and they will go for one purpose and that is to march against Israel. I want to call your attention to the present names and their specific locations. I want you to notice the stage is already set, my friend. Listen. You say, what has to happen next? What has to take place for this? The stage, my friend, is set for a Russian Islamic invasion upon Israel. So let's identify them by their modern names, okay? And then at the end, I'll show you a map of Israel and all of those nations that are coming against Israel with Russia leading them. And Russia is the first one. Now, the Bible says in verse 2, it says Gog. Who is Gog and where is Gog? Well, most Bible scholars don't believe it's a place. Most Bible scholars believe that Gog is the leader of this coalition. And so Gog, the ruler of the people who will invade. Now, when you come to Magog in verse 2, that is the former parts of the Soviet Union, okay? All of those nations that made up the Soviet Union, you take Russia, you take Kazakhstan, you take Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Georgia, and all those areas of the Soviet Union, and that is Magog, led by none other than Russia. Now, let me talk to you just for a moment about Russia. So successful is Russia's return to the world stage that Time magazine, just about 10 years ago, they made Vladimir Putin man of the year, person of the year. It was for taking Russia from a place of chaos to a position of great importance in the world back then when that article was written. Here's what Putin said. He said, we Russians are striving to create a fairer world based on the principles of equality. He said, time has shown that our views find great support in Arab and other Muslim states. End of quote. Putin obviously wants to be recognized as a world, the world leader of a world power. Verse 2, it goes on and it gives some other areas. Meshach and Tubal, those, where are they? That's the area of Turkey. It talks about Persia in verse 5. And we know that Persia used to be a great Old Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was a great world power. Today, where is Persia? It's Iran. 
Today, Iran, with its population of 70 million people, Iran has become the hotbed of militant Islam and anti-Israel or anti-Jew, anti-Semitic. Iran's geographical location You look at it on a map and you'll find that it is right there on the Persian Gulf and the Strait of Hormuz. What is significant about that? It gives it amazing great power. Now the Iranian regime is known for something. It is known for its utter hatred. It is known for its hatred of the Jewish people. It is known for its desire to eliminate the Jewish people. In fact, it was a number of years ago that the leader back then, Ahmadinejad, made this quote. He said, Israel must be wiped off the map and anybody who recognizes Israel will burn in the fire of the Islamic nation's fury. The Bible in verse 5 also gives another area that will form the coalition with Russia. And that is Ethiopia. And Ethiopia and Sudan come together. Now, we know that Sudan, even today, is hardly a friend to the West. Sudan supported, all the way back, they supported Iraq in the Gulf War. And they also, at one time, harbored Osama bin Laden. Then in verse 5, it says Libya. We know that to be northern Africa. And then it says Gomer. And some would say that's Germany, but most Bible scholars would say that that is another area of the eastern part of Turkey. Turkey has a growing allegiance to Russia. It also has a strong, strong military presence on the northern border of Iraq and then in verse 6 Togarma that is another part of Turkey now I want you to pay close attention to the map that we're going to show you right now would you do that I want you to view this map and if you view it intently and carefully you'll find that there is a red small area on that map Why did we make that the red? Because that is Israel. Look at it carefully. That is the nation of Israel. In all of those countries, look at the red, see it as Israel. But now I want you to look at all of the brown. You look up at the top, you see Russia. You look down and you see Turkey and Iraq and Iran and Libya. You see those, and all of those form the coalition that will go up against the little area of red that we know as Israel. My friend, as you study that map, what a formidable and powerful list of nations this is. And yet, as you study that, let me tell you, I could have darkened in much more of that map because the Bible says in verse 6 of our text, and many people with thee, in other words, many more than they're listed there in Ezekiel 38, will form the coalition with Russia going up against Israel. 
Now, there's something that you'll find, and that is that of these nations, they are predominantly Muslim nations. All these nations are going to come together with one goal, and that is to crush Israel. By the way, friend, these nations are already in place, and their motivation is already there. How interesting. As you look again at that map, how interesting. Let me remind you that 2,600 years ago was this passage of Scripture written. You want to talk about the accuracy and the power and the infallibility of the Word of God? My friend, this was written over 2,600 years ago, and it informs us to where this world is headed right before our eyes. Now, those are the allies against Israel. I want you to notice the attack against Israel. First of all, where will this attack take place? Well, the attack takes place right there, as we see in Ezekiel chapter 38. It makes it so very, very clear where these nations will pour out their fury. For example, in verse 8, it says, Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of my people against the mountains of Israel. Notice verse 14, when my people Israel dwell safely. Notice verse 16, and thou shalt come up against my people Israel. Friend, there is absolutely no doubt these nations will be gathered to go up against God's people, the Israelites. Now, as you again Think back on the map that I just showed you. There's one word that comes to my mind when I think of what is about to take place one day soon as Russia and her coalition go up against Israel. One word comes to mind, overkill. You saw that little red dot of Israel. You saw all of those nations that come together. Did you know that Israel is one of the smallest nations on the face of God's earth? Let me give you a little bit of meat to that. Israel is one-nineteenth of the size of California. Israel is about the size of New Jersey, our fourth smallest state. Israel, at its longest place, is 260 miles long. At the longest place in Israel. You think of it in its, in, in its widest place, and it's about 60 miles at its widest place in that nation. Think about it. If you live anywhere in the Eastgate area, that's about from the place of Eastgate, a little bit farther out than Adams County. And it is about five miles at its narrowest place in that nation. Five miles. Now, Israel is a democratic republic surrounded by 22 hostile Arab Islamic dictatorships. Those dictatorships are about 
640 times Israel's size and about 60 times Israel's population. Now, the question comes to my mind, when is this attack going to take place? When can we expect this? What is the period of the attack? And Ezekiel 38 verse 8 makes that very clear as well. Just underlined there in your Bible, it says, after many days, in the latter days. Verse 14, in that day when my people, Israel, dwell safely. Now, a question has to come to your mind if you are a student of God's Word. We have to know that it will happen at a time when Israel is dwelling in peace and when Israel is dwelling in safety. So, here's what the question is. When has that taken place? When will this be? When Israel will be at a time of peace? Well, I want to tell you, it sure isn't now. Is it? You haven't known a time when Israel has been at peace in your life. So the only period in Israel's life that will meet this requirement, I believe, is right after the rapture of the church. When the Antichrist and the revived Roman Empire make a treaty with Israel to guarantee Israel's peace and to guarantee Israel's safety. When this treaty is signed with the Antichrist, the people of Israel will be able to relax. There will be a small period of peace, and they will rely on that treaty. And Israel's defenses will be down. She will be woefully unprepared for the invasion of the armies of Russia Persia or Iran, Iraq, Turkey, and the rest. Now, let's go back to what I preached a number of weeks ago. Because the question that comes to my mind, it should come to your mind, is wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it, where's America in all of this? Because America has stood by the side of Israel and stands by the side of Israel to this day. That's why nobody touches Israel right now. There's a lot of threats. There are a lot of skirmishes. But nobody actually comes upon Israel or has in a huge way. So why would this take place? Let's go back to what I preached a number of uh, weeks ago. America, I believe at that time, will not be a powerhouse on the stage of the world. Why? I believe because it'll be after the rapture and there are so many American people that will be raptured out of this earth and this world and will be in the presence of God. I want you to think for a moment. If it took place now, we have confidence that a lot of leaders in our world right now, in our nation, would be gone. How many of them would be generals? How many of them would be soldiers? How many of those would be in the military? How many of those would be the leaders 
Think about the effect on America. Gone. Raptured. Do you know what? America at that time would be in no position to stand beside Israel as a powerhouse to protect her. Now remember, the Antichrist goes into a seven-year treaty with Israel. Israel at that time will be allowed to rebuild their temple. Right there where now the Dome of the Rock stands. The third most holy place of Islam. Many believe that it is this rebuilding of the temple that will take place soon after the rapture uh, uh, that will literally and possibly trigger this invasion. Let me tell you something. If you have been to Israel at all, there's one place that you have visited. It is on the tour from every guide, no matter where you stand, and that guide will take you to a place called the Temple Institute. And there, as they take you into the Temple Institute, you know what they already have? They've got all of the architectural plans already ready to go for the temple. They have every single solitary instrument They have everything that will go into that temple, every religious piece they are already making or has already been made. Everything is set for the rebuilding of the temple to take place. I believe this invasion will be at the beginning of the tribulation. Now let's notice the intention of the enemy. Are you still with me? I hope you are. The intention of the enemy. You see, the nations in the battle of Gog and Magog will come down on the nation of Israel for three primary reasons given in this passage of Scripture. Russia, again, let me say, has always been anti-Israel and been pro-Muslim. Now, there's three primary goals in this invasion. Number one is to seize the land of Israel. Notice chapter 38, verse 12. To go in to take a spoil and to take a prey. To turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited. And upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which are have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. Hey, let me say one thing and I'm going to move on. The Dead Sea already provides an unbelievable amount of wealth. So they go in for the first goal is to seize the land. Number two, they go in to steal Israel's wealth. There is an unbelievable amount of wealth in that little tiny land of Israel. Today, Israel has the third most listed companies, NASDAQ companies, in the world, just behind the United States, and you guessed it, China. Notice verse 13. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof, shall say unto thee, Art thou thou come to take a spoil? 
Hast thou gathered the company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? You see, there is much, much wealth in Israel to be plundered. The Jerusalem Post gave these statistics a number of years ago. They said that there are over 105,000 millionaires among the population of 7 million people. There are 18 billionaires in Israel. And of the 500 wealthiest people in the world right now, six of them are now in Israel. Israel's GDP, the gross domestic product, is double, double that of any other Middle East country. There's a third reason God's Word tells us that they come in, and that is to slaughter her people. Notice verse 11 and 12. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. In other words, they're living in safety and they're secure. They feel secure. And they're going up. Why? To take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. Friend, the accumulated hatred for the Jews are going to drive these armies forward. Nations from every direction, from the north, from the south, from the east and west will come against a helpless, tiny nation surrounded on every single side like a cloud to cover the land, according to the words of verse 16. The only way, the only way out for Israel is divine intervention. So let's notice the interruption of God on this battle. You see, as I just said, there is only one thing that could possibly intervene for Israel. And that is the intervention of an almighty, omnipotent, powerful God. And I want to tell you, intervene, he does. Friend, when God goes to war, guess what? His weapons are very unique. Weapons that only He can control. Weapons that cause the arsenals of men to be ineffective like a water pistol going up against a nuclear bomb. God is going to step up and God is going to save His people, Israel. And He's going to do it by four Interesting weapons. Let's notice them because they're right here. I want you to notice God's weapons. First of all, we'll call it massive convulsions. Read with me chapter 38, verse 19 and verse 20. God says, For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. 
Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, so that, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beast of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. Whether this is a tsunami of the sea or earthquake, from the mountains there will be massive convulsions and God will follow these convulsions on the earth with a second weapon major confusion notice chapter 38 verse 21 and I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains saith the Lord God notice notice Every man's sword shall be against his brother. You know what God's saying here? He's going to bring massive confusion upon Russia and the coalition of armies that come against Israel. You say, oh, now, come on. How in the world's that? Well, We remember a story in the Old Testament. His name was Gideon. The Midianites came against Gideon and the army. And you remember what God said? There were 135,000 Midianites coming against a small army of Israel. And God said to Gideon, Gideon, uh, you've got too many people. So Gideon whittled down the army and God came to him and he said, Gideon, you still have too many people. And you remember the story. It ended up 135,000 Midianites going up against 300 Israeli soldiers. But all through the power of God, God brought about total confusion upon the Midianites. The result, 120,000 Midianite soldiers died. The Lord set the Midianite swords against their own soldiers. They were so confused, they killed one another. Friendly fire, you might call it. God says that a sudden earthquake in the mountains would certainly cause the panic of Russia and her coalition, and they will kill one another in their confused state. There's a third weapon. You ready for this? Notice in your Bible in verse 22, menacing contagion. Verse 22, and I will plead against him with pestilence, and with blood. Now, if you've been with me in this series, you know what pestilence means. It means disease. And oh, I don't think I have to lay, uh, 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 go on and on about this point, do I? How quickly a disease can spread, and how quickly a disease can take place, and how quickly it will happen when the Holy Spirit of God, who is our restrainer, goes up with the people of God at the rapture. 
God says he will infect the invading troops with some debilitating disease that will render them incapable of carrying on their attack. One more weapon. There will be miraculous calamities, for in verse 22, God says, I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstones and great fire and brimstone. God did that once in the Old Testament. Sodom and Gomorrah. I've been to Israel twice. You know what I can't find? Sodom and Gomorrah. If you've been to Israel, you've tried to find it, but you haven't been able to find it. You know why? Because it's buried under the, uh, underneath the depths of the Dead Sea. Now, if you and I would go and turn to chapter 39, verse 2, do you know what we'll find in this battle when Russia and Iran and Iraq and Turkey and Sudan and Libya and all these nations come against Israel? Do you know what we find as a result? Five-sixths of the invading army is destroyed, dead. Only one-sixth remains. Listen, when God goes to war, no army on this earth can stand against his formidable weaponry. I want you to notice not only God's weapons, but God's wrath. Oh, yes, his wrath. How bad will this devastation be? Let me just give to this to you quickly. And I'm reading these verses because I want you to see it in the Bible, not just from what some preacher has to say. The Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter 39, verses 17 through 20, that the devastation will be so bad, so horrific, that the birds will gather from all areas upon this place in Israel because the dead bodies will be scattered so long and so wide, and so deep. And the Bible says that the birds from all around will gather upon this place, I'm sorry, to eat the flesh and take the blood of the great, of the kings, and of the soldiers involved in that battle. There's a feast of the birds that come, verse 17 through 20. And then there's the funeral of the bodies. Notice with me in chapter 39, verse 11. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog, remember, I believe it's the leader, a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea. 
Listen, listen, are you reading? And it shall stop the noses of the passengers, and there shall they bury Gog and all his multitude, and they shall call it the Valley of Haman Gog. And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them that they may cleanse the land. Friend, the war will produce so many casualties on the opposing side of Israel that it will literally take seven months to bury their bodies. Then we come to chapter 39, verse 9 and 10, and we see there's a a fire for the bedlam. Notice with me verse 9. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and arrows and hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire. Notice, notice this is interesting to me. They'll be burying the weaponry of those that have opposed them for seven years. It's just interesting, how long is the tribulation? Seven years. So that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forest, for they shall burn the weapons with the fire, and they shall spoil those that spoiled them, and rob those that robbed them, saith the Lord. Well, the burial of the bodies and the burning of the weapons... Ezekiel calls it the cleansing of the land. Can you imagine? Can you in your wildest dreams imagine the cleanup operations in the aftermath of this war? God brings utter destruction upon Russia, a nation, listen, listen, a nation that has been antagonistic toward God and disruptive to the world. Godless Russia is no match for the God who reigns. Notice God's ways. When the world will utterly seem out of control, our God is still always in control. God is going to bring these nations to their doom and the wickedness that has been brought by them. Now, what is this going to do? Well, there's two things in closing that we find that it will do. Number one, it'll bring God's glory. God's glory. You see, the annihilation of these allied nations will bring glory to God. You say, how? Well, notice chapter 39, verse 6, and they shall know that I am the Lord. You go down to chapter 39, verse 7. So I will make my holy name known in the midst of the people of Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Friend, 
God intends for people to recognize him now and forevermore as the Lord God of heaven. His name is holy. His glory fills the universe. Men must recognize him as the sovereign God if they're ever going to find peace and ever going to find true joy. Not only will this bring God glory, But do not miss this. I want you to notice God's gathering. Do you know what the ultimate outcome of this battle will be? The salvation of the people of Israel. That's right. The salvation of the people of Israel. You see, my friend, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but... The great majority of people over in Israel right now are not Jesus' followers. There are many people over in Israel right now that are just like so many in America. They claim to be atheists, they claim to not believe in God, or they are involved in religion, just like many people in America. Religious, yes. Followers of Jesus, not so much. But I want you to read with me a couple verses, and I'm almost done. But there's one point, if you've heard everything I say and have said, but you don't get the end, then it's really of no value to you. So stay with me just a few more minutes. Read with me God's Gathering, chapter 39, verse 25. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob, which is the captivity of Israel, and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. After that they have borne their shame and all their trespasses, whereby they have trespassed against me, when they dwelt safely in their land, and none made them afraid." When I have brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations, then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen, but I have gathered them unto their own land and have left them of them uh, left none of them any more there. Neither will I hide my face any more from them. Here, here. For I have poured out my Spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. The book of Romans in the New Testament helps us much on passages like this. Because in Romans chapter 11, it says that the blindness, in part, has happened to Israel. And it says that their blindness has happened unto Israel, in part, because and until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. What does that mean? What is the Apostle Paul saying? Friend, listen. We are right now living in the time, according to God's word, the time of the Gentiles. Think about it. The time of the Gentiles. Listen, God's message to the Gentiles today, 
God's message to you and me today? Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you done that? Has there been a time and a place in your life? I'm not talking about a prayer for healing. I'm not talking about a prayer in a foxhole because you're in trouble. I'm talking about has there been a time in your life when you, the whosoever, has called upon the name of the Lord to save your soul? Oh, Jews can be saved on the same basis today. But there are not very many of them that have done that. Did you know that God's word tells us that? It shouldn't take us by surprise. But God's word also tells us that in the end time, the clock of Israel is going to start up again. Verse 26 of Romans chapter 11 says this, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob or from Israel. There's a great verse in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. It says, I will pour the house, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the house of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. Today, there are scales upon the eyes of the people of God. But Romans chapter 11 tells us that the scales will be removed from their eyes. Romans 11 tells us that the scales right now, those blinders have been removed from the eyes of the Gentiles. Today, we have every opportunity to see. Friend, as a Gentile, you have every opportunity. You are without excuse. You have opportunities right now during this coronavirus to tune in to churches all across this nation. And many of them will preach the gospel. And you can hear, and you can see, and you can believe. It's the time of the Gentiles. We have every opportunity to see. But one day, that is all going to change. And the scales will be placed upon the Gentile people. And they'll be removed from the eyes of God's people. And there will be a grand host of Israelites in the land of Israel that will come to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. A revival will take place. Friend, what will you do with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? I trust that so many of you, I trust the majority of you have opened your heart to a Savior who came, was born of a virgin, that He might die on a cross, that He might 
pay for every sin I've ever committed and that you've committed to redeem you. Do I hope you've trusted Christ as your Savior? But if you haven't, trust Him today. Open your heart to Jesus Christ today. Friend, listen, there's not one thing that I have shared with you today from God's Word that's not coming. It's coming. 2,600 years ago it was written. Everything is lined up for it right now to take place. You ready? You may be here today and you may be behind that screen and you may say, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. Then why don't you make sure this morning? Why don't you turn your life over to Jesus Christ this morning? Let him come into your heart and show you the grace of God. You can bow your head with me right now and I want to lead you in the sinner's prayer. And friend, if you will mean this from your heart, as simple as it seems, God will save you. So bow your head and cl close your eyes and pray this prayer. Oh, dear Lord God, I see now. I, I can see. I don't see it all, but I can see. I understand enough to know that I need your son Jesus to redeem me save me Lord Jesus right now I'm asking you to come into my life and do exactly that save my soul forgive me of my sin help me to walk with you In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for tuning in to the First Pulpit Podcast with Pastor Brent Snook. We trust this series, The Countdown to Armageddon, is a challenge and encouragement to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast so that others can benefit from the messages of Pastor Brent Snook.